Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In 1936, Kansas City native Charlie Parker took to the stage at 16 years old and played so poorly that Count Basie's drummer threw a cymbal at his head. The act encouraged the saxophonist to become one of the hardest working musicians to ever live, and years later, Parker changed the music world forever. Since then, the music scene in Kansas City has gone through lots of changes, and this is a show dedicated to modern-day musicians who live and play in the pairs of the plains. From Tribune Audio Network, I'm Kendall Swank, and this is the Crazeology Podcast. Something's going on in the U.S., and it's kind of difficult to talk about. I want to give you a warning that today's episode is going to be talking about some pretty serious content. So if you have small children around, you may want to wait and listen to this episode when they're not there. But for kids as young as 10, I think the subject isn't beyond them because it affects them more than anybody else in America today. We're talking about mental health. My guest today is Mackenzie Nicole. She's a 19-year-old artist from the Strange Music label who opens up a lot about her new album, Mystic. But before we talk about the album... I want you to hear something a little older from Mackenzie. I think it'll help you understand two things about her. First, how quickly she's progressed. And second, how she's able to talk some pretty serious content in her music. This is Deleted by Mackenzie Nicole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Say what you gotta say. Yeah. Turn around around the other way. The price I gotta pay So keep doing what you're doing If it feels right Is that really what it takes To make you sleep at night You didn't have to look me up Now I'm looking down at you You don't like what you see Inside 
start with one of your older songs deleted um just because there's so much going on for women on the internet and Mm -hmm. there's so many trolls and this is what your song's about so when you were 16 you know three years ago what was going on that like this is kind of what inspired the overall song so i was having a conversation with my dad and then my label mate chris calico and i was talking about how i don't read the comments anymore um when it comes to my music um on youtube or on socials etc um because i just found that i was feeling more degraded by the negative than i was validated by the positive and from that chris calico came to me and said you know i think we have a song we can make about that and thus deleted was born. And what it really is to me and what it really brought to mind for me is imagine how much innovation and art and science and literature we've lost, you know, because people were discouraged from following what their uh, what their joy, their happiness and their passion was. And I think that right now in this age of accessibility through social media, through the Internet, et cetera. Um, that's more prevalent than ever. I think there are more avenues to discourage people. And I would love to see those avenues used to encourage people. And rather than allowing uh, hatred to uh, take a place in your heart, I've found that it's just easier to you know, just delete it. And that's where deleted came from. So uh, what are the types of things that people say to you on the internet that are like, kind of these negative comments? Um, I get a few things. Um, everything from like, you have a big head to, <laughs> which I get a lot, <laughs> to like, you're, you laugh, know, though. yeah, right. Um, to you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you know, daddy's girl, like this is nepotism, which I get a lot, which is really funny because most people don't realize that my dad is a businessman who wouldn't sacrifice resources just to make his daughter's dreams come true, you know, if I was terrible. If you're not familiar with Mackenzie, she's mentioning her dad here because he's the founder of Strange Music. And also, no one knows what it's like to live with your boss. And so I'll tell you that much. Um, And all love to my dad, obviously. Um, But I get that one a lot. Um, And, you know, naturally, people saying crude things about me and my label mates. uh, Just a bunch of ridiculous stuff with no no, legs to stand on. And, you know, people are going to be the way people are. It's best if you just, again, focus on the people who support you because they will always outnumber the people who don't. And what do you, like, I mean, are, are these people you know, or are these people that you've met at least once or twice, or is this something where, like, these random people that you've never talked to, never heard from, are, like, approaching you online and just, like, 
talking negatively about you and your life. It's a little bit of both. I have people who will smile to my face when they see me at a meet and greet, but then say hateful things on my socials. Um, I have complete strangers who stumbled upon me, and for some reason, something I did made them viscerally angry enough to uh, comment on me and my lifestyle. Um, either way, again, this is just something that is innate to not only my profession, but anyone, right? Um, right. Especially being a female, you know, there's so many things you can attack. And because the social standards are just so, they permeate every part of your life. Right. And so that's, that's been my experience. Does it like, do you, does it make you struggle with your own thoughts about yourself or is that something that you've been able to kind of push out and just keep moving forward with on your, in your career? You know, I, uh, I already struggle with low self-esteem and a huge amount of self-consciousness. And so to have people uh, reiterate what you already think negatively about yourself can be painful. And I used to do this thing, though, that was really empowering to me when I was younger, when I was like 13, 14, 15, and I had done a lot of features on my label mate's music. I would have what I used to call hate nights, where I'd put on my favorite pajamas and make an iced coffee, and I would sit and read through all the hates on my, p on my songs. Really? Yeah, and I used to find a reason why they were wrong. So it was like this mental exercise for me where I had to go, okay, I know they're wrong. Let me articulate it right now while I'm looking at their comment in the face. And that was what I would do to kind of train myself. And I think it's made me a little bit immune to it now. So do you think these are trying to attack you personally? Or do you think this is just like what people do for like joy and, <laughs> and entertainment in their own lives? I think that, again, it might be a little bit of both. I think some people are um, sadistic and find joy in others suffering. Um, and I think some people project their, you know, what we hate in others is what we recognize in ourselves oftentimes and don't like. So I think a lot of people project their own insecurities onto uh people that are um, more public and I think that sometimes it is a personal attack maybe my music rubbed you the wrong way maybe you met me and felt that you didn't click with me I don't really know um, whatever it may be I, I just wish people well because if that is genuinely how you drive your joy then you need help and you need I, I hope you find your peace yeah I want to get back to you you know you kind of said that you struggled or you struggle a little bit with um, mental health and yeah. um, this album, your new album that's going to be coming out this year um, in 2019 is it's surrounded around that idea. Yeah. Of, so how come you decided that this would be basically the focal point of your album that you're push, pushing out to other people? So um, I'm going to get um, intensely personal here, if you don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> this time last year, um, for about six months from January to June, I suffered a an extreme mental breakdown, for lack of other words, um, and I had definitive plans to uh, kill myself, and among you know other self-destructive behaviors. And I thankfully I had one of my best friends drag me to his psychiatrist. I got medicated and diagnosed, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, and um, slowly started the process of recovery. And then when the fall came and it came time to start considering my next project, I knew immediately that I had an obligation to discuss what I went through. And so thus, my album became this autobiographical discussion of mental health and stages of mental health. And I created this album that is developed in three parts. Um, part one is a darker chapter that discusses being at rock bottom. Chapter two is a transitional chapter that talks about trying to uh, self-correct. And then chapter three is about coming out on the other side, whatever that means. And for me, it's really important because the only way to understand and be understood is to articulate. And that's what I always say. And this album helped me do that. And I think, or I hope, 
that it'll other people have the same experience with it that I did because this was majorly cathartic for me. It helped me discover what I had really went through and put words to it and then handle it, you know, and that's been a huge part of my recovery. I wanted to jump in here and just mention something. Teen suicide is a huge problem in the U.S. right now. I want to remind you that you matter. If you or someone else you know is going through anything, there is help. There's always someone, no matter your age, race, gender, or income status, you can talk to right now. Just call 1-800-784-2433. There's also a whole bunch of resources at fox4kc.com slash youmatter. I was a little surprised by Mackenzie's openness, and I wanted to ask her why she decided to base her whole album off this idea. You know, we're getting better, but it's still highly stigmatized in our culture. And, you know, in other cultures, it's even worse. You know, I have a a business associate from overseas who says that in England, for example, um, it's just not discussed even, it's discussed even less so than it is here. And that really hurts me because, you know, our mental health should be as priority as our physical health, you know? Um, A lot of people don't want to go to therapy or get medicated because they say, I don't want to use it as a crutch. But when you have a broken leg, what do you use? Therefore, when you have that mental equivalent of a broken leg, what should you be using? Um, And again, it's something that everyone struggles with stages of mental health or wellness. Some more than others, some have struggle from mental illness, some people don't, but no matter what, you have mental capacity, therefore this is something you should be worried about and concerned about just like you are your physical body. And so I'd love to expand the dialogue here regarding mental health because again, I think it's a massive societal issue um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think that especially like we were talking about earlier in this hyper accessible culture where every part of our life is broadcast. Why isn't, why don't we focus on things that are positively broadcast like our mental health? Why don't we focus on talking about that instead of some of the things we choose to prioritize? So let's talk about one of your songs. Cause you kind of, you start off uh, complications. It's an extremely powerful line about yourself right off the bat. Uh, I make everything too hard. So I never get too far. Um, if I could, reach past my ribs i'd rip out my own heart <laughs> so yeah so what 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 is that what does that line mean to you um i have this wonderful habit of just self-sabotaging no matter what it is every good thing in my life i will ruin somehow for some reason and this has been a uh, a losing streak in my life um that i cause myself and I say multiple times in the song, you know, I'm a masochist. I want, you know, I love like, you know, the name of the song. I love complications. I love to complicate my own life. And for me, you know, if I could reach past my ribs, I would rip out my own heart means I would literally rather like I would kill myself before I'd let myself have an easy day. And that's something I feel like a lot of people could identify with because in many ways, everyone, you know, it's the human condition. We're all self-sabotaging. We do the things we do not want to do. And it seems like an innate part of who we are, or at least who I am. And so when my producer, Seven, sent me this extremely pop, upbeat beat that he had produced, mm-hmm. I knew immediately that I wanted to contrast that with a subject matter that was innately dark. And one of the worst qualities about myself, if not the worst quality about myself. And make fun of myself. Because, again, like as you'll see in the video, um, I throw a literal pity party for myself. Flow with cake and balloons and all that. And that's just really representative of being a little bit of a sabotaging brat. And I 
I think it's good to poke fun at yourself. You know, I think it's good to recognize your lesser qualities because it's always good to gas yourself up, right? It's always good to focus on your positive qualities, but mm -hmm. sometimes you need to check yourself. And that's what complications is for me. Do you ever struggle with your sound compared to like the depth of your lyrics and the things that you're trying to put in there? Because not a lot of people would associate um, your, your, your genre of pop with these types of issues. Yeah, um, especially... You know, I found that less of an issue with my upcoming project because I don't necessarily consider it a pop record. I don't consider it a genre record. Okay. I think it transcends genre. And so with this next record, I really freed myself from the idea of adhering to what pop music is, um, which was a huge focus of the last record, right? Like the last record was a massive exercise in making conventional pop music and seeing if I could do it. I feel like we did a pretty good job of it. But this next record, it was just me and my producer in a room trying to make good music. And that was a really powerful experience for me because I got to truly be myself for the first time and truly expose my writing and what I'm thinking about and what I'm trying to do. I finally had that creative control that maybe I didn't have as much with the last project. And I got to talk about the subject matter that is serious to me, like we have been discussing. And Complications is also part of this uh, collection of music, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I have noticed that people tend to not want to give a lot of credit to a pop artist who has who struggles. You know, like there's this like very polished notion of being a Taylor Swift or a Britney Spears, and no hate to those artists; they are incredible. Right. But where your life has to be pristine and the greatest issue you suffer is a breakup, perhaps. And I think that people are just not two-dimensional like that. And part of what I want to do is bring a little uh, severity and a little bit of a human element to what people consider pop music. So let's actually check it out. This is uh, Complications by McKinsey and Cole. I make everything too hard So I never get too far If I could reach past my ribs I would rip out my own heart I was given everything So tell me why I'm barely getting by I would clip my wings Just to make sure that I couldn't fly Born at 11.59 Is it by choice or by design That I'm always understudying Silver metal every time Fighter in a crybaby So everybody Frustration. I got a bad attitude and I know how to kill a mood. I'm a crisis, I'm a sad girl. I'm a why you always mad girl. And the price is I'm a martyr because my life is so much harder. No time for empathy because my life's a tragedy. And every movement that I make screams, please pay attention to me. No time for empathy because my life's a tragedy.
Staying with this mental health subject you've been talking about, you started in the music business at such a young age. Do you think that had an impact on your mental health? Absolutely. Um, my first recorded feature was when I was nine years old. It was with Tech Nine and Three Six Mafia. And um, I've been doing features and music ever since then. My first single was released when I was 16, and my first album released last year. And when you grow up in the in the music industry, which I have, you know, Strange Music was started in the basement of my childhood home. Mm -hmm. So this has innately been a part of my life, you know. And my parents never left me with a sitter, right? Um, I was in on every meeting my dad had, even if I was four years old. I would listen to every conference call. So I'd say that, if anything, growing up in this environment ages you. You know, I always say I aged in dog years because I was never a kid. I was a small adult. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that definitely impacts your mental health because when you age more quickly um, than perhaps would happen naturally in natural circumstances. Um, you're forced to confront a lot of issues like, you know, self-image very early, um, which I think is already an issue with women is the, you know, the discovery yeah. of, you know, problems with self-image very early. Um, uh, you you're subject to criticism when you're nine years old. Um, and I think that as someone who already has always had and struggled with, again, like I said earlier, self-image and self-esteem. Mm -hmm. um, I think being so subject to such a, at times, destructive industry can be difficult. Um, that's not to say that there isn't like any like beauty in the music industry. I love the music industry, but it has its warts. Mm -hmm. And I think those have affected me as I've grown. So, I with all of this stuff that we've talked about, I mean, how do you still put yourself out there? I mean, if, if you have people that say negative stuff and you you might already be struggling a little bit, how do you like just get ready to get on stage and just like rock a concert or like even get into the recording booth and keep putting stuff out? That's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think that might be one of my self tortures, like I mentioned in complications. Um, no, but in all seriousness, People are going to be critical of you no matter what you do. Um, so you might as well do something you love. That's what I think. Um, people are going to be critical of you no matter how you look. So look how you want to. People are going to be critical of no matter what you do. So do what you want to. Um, think how you want to. Be who you want to be. Because you're never going to escape criticism by trying to appease others. If anything, if you do escape criticism, then you're probably not leading a fulfilling life. Um, so that's, that's my view of it. Uh, my love is writing. My love is music. Um, if I can pursue that, I will, and I do. And the criticism of others is not going to deter me from living what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Another one I want to talk to you about, too, um, is Back to You. And I, I kind of see some connecting lines. If you, if you listen to Complications and then you also listen to Back to You. Back to You is kind of this story, or plays out very much in a like 
it sounds like an on again off again relationship yeah and you're it, you know especially in your video you know you're showing that this person is not necessarily treating you the best but you keep going back to them so do you see this like correlation at all between or do you, do you think they're connected um yeah. uh self-esteem overall and then these on again off again relationships i think absolutely because our relationship with ourselves is indicative of our relationship with others. And the treatment you accept from yourself is going to be parallel to the treatment you accept from others. So if you're used to mistreating yourself, that sets a standard for how you allow others to treat you. And so I think when it comes to songs like Back to You that are maybe not about an ideal situation um, or you know, you know, they call it the definition of insanity is doing the th same thing over and over right, again yeah. and expecting a different result. Um, uh, that's just another method of self-sabotage. And that's not to say that eventually, you know, that relationship couldn't work out. It just, you got to redefine the terms, right? And that's important. And I think that through songs like Back to You, I've learned that how important it is to make uh, you know make boundaries for yourself figure out what you'll stand for and what you won't and i think through songs like complications i had the same experience and so i think you're right they are connected so what what are your relationships like because a lot of people know you just from face value or from your music and so they they know your face um they don't know you that well do you especially dating relationships do you um how how easy is it for you to start opening up to people and then you know and then have these uh, these other things going on in your life and then you have to overcome them to deal with somebody else and to be and to be able to try and make something that's healthy and move and have a good overall relationship in your life i guess yeah um i try <laughs> my best um i'm a very easily manipulated person that's part of my problem and i talk about this in my song off mystic it's called the house above the world mm -hmm. i'm off my next album i say my heart is a magnet for cupid's arrows and poison darts right i'm a hopeless romantic and sometimes that leads it's to my detriment you know because i'm just as easily hurt as i am in love mm -hmm. and that's something that has not been great for relationships I am doing my best, and <laughs> that's about all, that's all I, we can do. That's all I we guess. can do. You're 100% right, and I think I'm not the only one probably who has that pattern in their life, you know? Oh, definitely not. And so I think that especially given um, the situation with my job and everything, um, I have to admit that it is hard to open up, but I, I say that, but like, I, like I said, I fall in love so easily that I'm like, take my heart, take it, here, it's yours. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a mixed bag, and that's with anything. You know, I'm, I'm young. I'm figuring it out. On again, off again, relationships are difficult. If you've ever been through one, you probably connect a little with Mackenzie's frustration. It's this strange pull you have to someone, even if it's not the best thing for you to be with them. But I think her song says it best. So let's check that out. This is Back to You off Mackenzie's 2018 album, The Edge.
Before I started living in Kansas City, Missouri, I didn't know who Tech Nine was. He's an artist that's huge in the city and has gone on to make some amazing music with some great musicians. You've probably heard of some of them. He's been a part of your life for so long now. So what's that relationship been like? Tech Nine is like my uncle. Um, he comes to family Christmas every year and we've been on vacation with, together, our families. Um, he is the first artist I remember hearing in my life, um, the first music I remember hearing was his, driving around, um, listening to early demos of Ever Ready and his other albums in my parents' car when I was itty-bitty young. And so in many ways, I am largely inspired by tech. And that's something that you know I've mentioned in other interviews that he is probably one of my biggest musical inspirations, or at least was when I first started because I grew up listening to his music non-stop mm -hmm. and I grew I've been to over a thousand Tech Nine concerts and that's oh not wow. hyperbole that is 100% calculated and correct <laughs> and so <laughs> that being said you know Tech Nine is a perform let me go on my little rant here yeah Tech Nine is a performer among performers he is incredible you could go to one of his concerts with noise canceling headphones and still be entertained it is remarkable. He's one of the most theatrical people I've ever met and an amazing creative. And so all that being said, he's been a great influence for me as an artist because not only did he give me the opportunity to start so young on and really develop who I am as an artist with all these like, you know, 
with the songs he put me on. For example, like I kind of got to make a name for myself at a very young age of doing these like operatic, like semi-creepy, super cool songs that were kind of dark. And that's really who I am inside. So I love that. Um, but I, uh, I have nothing but good things to say about that relationship. Tech is so close to me and so important to me. And so getting to work with him and getting to perform with him is fantastic. You know, every night that I get to be on stage with him, you, the first thing you see me do is hug him and say, I love you. And the last thing you see me do is hug him and say, I love you, because he's so important to me. I want you to hear a little bit from one of their collaborations. So here's a little of Acting Like You Know by Mackenzie featuring Tech Nine. You're acting like you know me when you really don't know. Every single cast out the very first time. Acting like you know. Something about pointing at me with the number one out, yeah. telling me I'm the worst. I come to kind of a curse, but really not knowing me. You're taking the dumb route. Yeah. It's always the people with skeletons who be hella shaky like gelatin, doing a lot of embellishing, wishing I fell and then damn me the hell again. Yeah. If you're in a glass house, might not want to lash out, yeah. end up with a smashed couch, all because of your bad mouth. Yeah. Judging me, you don't need to. That's the job that GOD do. Everybody, you steady picking that read you because you see through. I'm glad you brought up the operatic part too, because you were classically trained as a musician. Yeah. And um, like with some of the new stuff, you can hear it for sure in there. Thank you. Um, being a big influence. So a lot of people would probably wonder, how does somebody who was trained in the classical form really transition and start to become a, a pop, or not necessarily a pop, but a, a different genre besides the 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 classical forms you know like i yeah. know guys who played jazz who ended up moving on they're playing hip-hop now yeah. um so how did you get there how did you take that step so i've been classically trained to sing opera since i was six years old which is a long time to be doing it i've been doing it for 13 years now um god i'm doing it for 13 years now <laughs> oh that just hit me um and so the joke I always make is I'm an opera singer trying to do pop music on a rap label inspired by a rock band. <laughs> um, the way I put it is that, you know, I learned how to do everything correct. Opera music, opera is about doing everything technically perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn those rules and so I could break them later on. And it's been so wildly constructive for me knowing how to be perfect so I could be imperfect. And... In many ways, I struggled so much at the beginning of my career um, with the prospect of branching outside of what I'd known my entire life. You know, I struggled with songs like Acting Like You Know with Deleted as I experimented with genre. And now that I'm, I feel like I'm coming into my own where I get to bring my opera with me into a genre rather than leave it behind. And that's something you hear, especially on my new album. Do you feel like you're almost, with the new album, taking a step back away from pop music and closer to your older job or you know the stuff you were classically trained in or is this something where you're creating just something that's so brand new that it really can't even be like considered like a halfway point between the two 
Um, I think it's the latter. It's something that's so um, different from what I've done before that I take a little bit of everything that I have done before, um, a little bit of that urban influence from my like core, right? Growing up in a hip hop label, a little bit of my opera and combine that with uh, just my own flavor of almost alternative pop into something that I don't think I've heard a lot of um, yet. And I am excited to put out into the world because it's definitely, like I said, miles away from my old album. And I think it's steps forward, which is really exciting to develop as an artist. So what else would you say about the new album that you haven't said already? Man, Mystic is such a labor of love for me. It's, I, I cry about it nonstop. <laughs> I cried in the studio making it. There have been times like when filming um, promotional pieces about it where they have to stop the cameras, go start crying. Like it's so important to me. And it has this theme. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you some stuff I've never said before on tape. Um, it's like psychic themed. And part of that is because I'm so fascinated with the way that our lives form and develop. And that was something that was really cool to me. Even though I went through the worst period of my life last year, it developed into the best period of my life. And I find that incredibly cool how... You know, we make our own futures through our present actions. And so the album c follows a lot of those themes about, like, how our lives become our lives. And that's really cool to me. You know, I'm wearing, you can't see this because this is a podcast, but I'm wearing um, an eye pendant right now that I have made specifically for the purpose of this album. And the meaning of this massive eye I'm wearing on my necklace is, you know, your third eye that connects you with the universe. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really truly believe this album is. It's my connection between myself and the universe. And I think that that's hopefully what other people find in it too. So that's my little spiel that I haven't said before, probably to anyone, um, about what this album really means and what it's going to become hopefully once it's released. We do have one more song for you today from Mystic. This is a song called House Above the World, and I really wanted you to hear it without any setup, explanation, because it's new. And I wanted you to judge for yourself. My show today was produced by myself, Kendall Swank, with production assistance from Mike Simpson and Lindsay Adele with editing done by Mike Simpson. I just want to say, again, that you matter. There are resources if you're struggling out there, so please reach out to someone. We'll be back with more conversations with musicians about life and music, but until then, this is House Above the World. <laughs> 